I'm Harmony Williams, and this is Life Changing Trips. Sometimes it's hard to see the freedom and the beauty that lives behind the weight of everything we carry. But I believe that life is so amazing, and I can't waste another moment. I'm so excited to be here with you for another transformational conversation about experiences and the latest research on plant medicine, meditation, breath work, and other unconventional modalities, and how they are being used for mental health and expansion. I hope by listening that you will find ways to integrate your peak experiences and epiphanies to open up new levels of possibilities, ingenuity, and fulfillment in business, and deeper, authentic connection and passion in your relationships, and a feeling of purpose, of living fully alive. So just the map itself, I can you can recommend different lifestyle choices, all kinds of different things, meditations, but then you have the opportunity to do neurofeedback training or actually train the brain. So basically for me, my mentality at the time, like I was never going to talk therapy or do prescription drugs, but, oh, I'll just train this brainwave down. And basically you attach an electrode to the head and it reads your brainwaves. And then it's like a feedback. So it's basically opera conditioning. You watch a screen and it rewards you when you're in the right brainwaves and it gives you negative feedback when you're wrong brainwaves and your brain naturally wants to become more healthy and naturally wants to move into a healthy state. It's really amazing. It's the first time for me that I realized there truly is a mind within a mind because Mm. your brain is doing millions of calculations a second to make itself more efficient. And you're not even doing anything. You're just watching the screen or you can be listening to tones too. So, and I noticed like my brain patterns became better. I started feeling better. So then I became fascinated about this. So I started reading books on it for 10 years. Like I started buying like small devices on it. And then about four or five years ago, I saw all these different applications spiritually for brainwaves because most people in the field, they work with depression, anxiety, head trauma, things like this, which are great because we, we make people functional again and heal suffering. But there's also this idea that we can reach these spiritual states with brainwaves. And we've done this with meditation. We've studied this with meditation. There's also other states, like these deep states, hypnotic states, the realm of the unconscious. And I became so fascinated about this. And there's this, there's a link between the soul, the mind, the conscious, the subconscious, and all these fields start merging. So I've always been a big reader. I'm reading all these books. Of, you know, Jung has been kind of being confirmed by brainwave training. So right before COVID. I went to the international conference on neurofeedback and it was in Denver. So not too far from where I'm from, Omaha, Nebraska. So I drove up there and at the conference, they're all PhDs, neuroscientists and medical doctors. And here I am just some guy, but I have this idea. I want to combine brain mapping and plant medicines like ayahuasca. And I think there's a lot of potential here. I'm excited about it, but I don't know if anyone's going to go for it. I'm just walking around this conference and meeting people and Eventually, through serendipity again, I met my mentor. I go, hey, I want to study uh, brain waves and brain mapping and neurofeedback and combine it with plant medicines like ayahuasca. And, he, and my mentor, he goes, my mentor, yet he goes, hey, I've been waiting to meet someone like you. I'll train you. And it just blew me away. Like, like I said, I've been waiting to meet someone like you. And we started doing Zoom calls every other week. He starts showing me how to do brain waves. Starts teaching me. And yeah. So what was out, his training? Or what was he, so, his specialty? Yeah, so he, one, he's like a, a Zen master. 
So he studied Zen. Yeah, he, he doesn't call himself a shaman, but I can tell he's a shaman just the way he speaks. And he knows a lot about shamanism. And But he's also a PhD, I think in psychology, but knows neuroscience very well. He's written a number of books in the field. And over 500 clinics use this technology. So his name is Dr. Suter. So how the neurofeedback world works, these aren't super big companies. There's kind of like small companies that produce different kinds of neurofeedback technology. And, they're, and he has one of those companies that produces it. So wow. yeah, when I looked him up to find out who he was, like, is this really going to happen? I'm just some guy. But sure enough, he starts training me. And for him, I'm like, I'm this field researcher in Peru going down, brain mapping, you know, shamans and stuff like that, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit again. But so I started learning the basics of neurofeedback and brain mapping. I start brain mapping family and friends and everyone else. And then two and a half years ago, I'm, I moved to Peru permanently. I was going back and forth a number of times. So I was spending like months whole another story but I've been, I've been months in the jungle living with shamans and no electricity but now finally i i moved down here permanently i spent all my savings and all this neurofeedback equipment brain map equipment and i had this idea and now i'm here now i'm doing it. so now we're delving into what i like to call spiritual neuroscience we're looking through this certain lens at the, at the consciousness of the soul i think so many people separate the physical and the spiritual, but these are all linked. And this is why yoga is so powerful because we use the physical body to transcend to the spiritual. And the same way I would say, but well, we're using like, like technological yoga that we're using mm -hmm. spiritual neuroscience so people can achieve higher states. This is so fascinating to me. So tell me like you, you look at like their brains before ayahuasca and after ayahuasca. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, so I'm publishing my first paper on this soon, actually. Um, I haven't written academically since college, but data that no one's written about. So I had to go back and kind of relearn how to do it again. It's been really fun. And I've gone through all the research over the last 15, 20 years. So I know exactly what's been published, what hasn't been published, you know, and where there's opportunities to publish stuff that hasn't been studied yet. So, so far, most of the research has been, and there still hasn't been a whole lot, to be honest. I was kind of surprised, um, at least with brain mapping. Most research has been questionnaires in a clinical setting. So mm -hmm. one thing, there hasn't been a whole lot of field research, like mm -hmm. in like the shamanic setting, like in the field in Peru, for example. Yeah. Usually it's like in a, like a hospital setting where people take a very controlled dose and maybe mm -hmm. like listen to music or something. But we, have, we don't have a whole lot of field research. And we also don't have pre and post brain maps. Well, actually, we don't have hardly brain maps at all. We have most studies are questionnaires, yeah. which are very good, but like it's a pre and post questionnaire. But now... What I'm doing is pre and post brain maps. We see the brain map change over time. And almost all the studies that I've read, there's a brain map during the experience, which is interesting. But we know that something happens during the experience, which I'm also studying. But, but it's also interesting to see like pre and post maps, what happens a week out, six months out, things like this. I haven't done six months out. But from a retreat, we have measurements in our technology, depression, anxiety. We can see these markers in the brain. And... From what we noticed, what I expected, we've seen depression, anxiety lift or change as experiences. Sometimes there's emotional flux. So sometimes people might feel like they're processing it. But in general, we see these patterns, we see the changes in the brain, but we also see this huge change in neuroplasticity. The brain becomes more adaptable. 
And uh, I read an interesting theory once or a thought on it is that depression and anxiety, these are in the psychology of the brain becomes rigid. We can't think uniquely. So then we can see this change. So psychedelics affect the brain in a certain way to make it open, it makes it less rigid, it allows us to problem solve in different ways. So, so, and, but also neurofeedback is the same thing. So we see how these different fields start merging. So we're seeing the brain become much more flexible, adaptable, and open to change. And this is why, like I said before, I recommend if you come to ayahuasca or do psilocybin, you know, this is a great time to start a new practice because your brain is adaptable. And this is also why it's so powerful with things like addiction, mm. because addiction is a, it's a really rigid brain stuck in a certain pattern. We have to break that loose. So psychedelics, plant medicines are very powerful. Now, well, my goal is combine the two and I leverage off the others. So when people come and have a powerful ayahuasca experience, I can send them home with like a home training unit. They can go home and train for three months and really get the most out of the experience. We can teach them how to like, because I'm jumping ahead a little bit again, but we can teach them how to go into these deeper states. So this was, this is from my own experience. I wish I had this right away after that first experience I had. I wish I had the tools to really go deeper and continue with it. Because when PTSD is so bad, these relaxing states or any kind of anxiety or any kind of trauma, if it's, it's bad enough, the body becomes rigid, the brain becomes rigid, and it becomes harder to access these states. Mm -hmm. So with neurofeedback technology, we can show the brainwave exactly where to go. It allows them to process these experiences and they're much more open. So for example, it's like you said, it goes both ways, but sometimes people might be so rigid in their, because of their trauma, they might have trouble having a powerful ayahuasca experience. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I'll have the neurofeedback technology at a retreat and I can train their brain to go deeper and hopefully open them up for, to go deep into the ayahuasca experience. Oh. But also when the neurofeedback's having trouble taking, which usually is very powerful, but some people have a lot of trauma and the brain becomes more rigid. Now, after the ayahuasca experience, that brain's much less rigid, it's much more open. So that allows us the opportunity to go to these deeper states and train the brain in like deeper ways. And we can train the subconscious. And we've done little experiments where I try to do with people the first time doing ayahuasca because that's that really kind of prime time and I'm interested in that. But we had a volunteer and we trained his brain a couple of weeks after ayahuasca. He kept saying like, hey, like going to the, we can train deep states too. I guess I'm going to lots of different areas here, but it's not exactly meditation, like deep hypnotic states, but it's also the realm of subconscious, the realm of archetypal symbolism. I would argue also the realm of magic. So this is where the beauty universe is at. So when I trained this person in these states, he felt this connection with Mother Ayahuasca, as he described it. Like I, I used to feel her presence. So these modalities complement each other. But going back to your question, after an ayahuasca retreat, we can see the brain changes in so many different ways. It becomes more plastic, the neuro, there's neuronal growth. You can't see neuronal growth with technology, you can see that networks are changing, networks are opening up. Mm -hmm. But what I would say from our initial research, which surprised me, is that each brain moves a direction that's healthy for that brain. So if someone has low power, for example, their power level might go up. If they have inflammation, it seems like inflammation goes down. 
I've even noticed one person who had ADD and markers for ADD. And those markers were totally gone after three what days. The, what are the markers for? Oh, like ADD, ADHD? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. those, those patterns, it's a very distinct pattern in the brain that we usually see. It's high theta and uh, globally. And this person also self-reported symptoms in a survey before. So in the survey after, they reported no symptoms. And this brain pattern that was every evident, the brain map was gone afterwards, after three days of ayahuasca. And this will usually take months of neurofeedback training. So this is a very, very powerful change just after three days, which I haven't seen anything written about, anything published about. So we're looking at like, as far as I know, new data that no one's even observed. We know that from questionnaires, anxiety and depression, those things are helpful. I haven't seen anything about focus. So yeah. Um, so the neurofeedback can help ADD or over a period of several months. You're seeing about yeah. a similar as a similar improvement, I guess. I'm I'm super interested interested in that. I've read a few books and I experience a lot of ADHD, ADD symptoms. So fascinating. And I, I just think how you're explaining that. So after my experience, you kept saying like you're open. I, I didn't know in the brain technology or the neuroplasticity, right? I don't know what any of that looks like, but in my experience, I just knew I was more open. I was more, they say like children have this capacity for learning really fast up to a certain age. And then, and then our brain starts to kind of not be quite so open. And this is one of the reasons why I'll throw this in here for cautions, why you really need to be careful who you allow in your space and who you allow to guide you because you are so open, right? I agree. You're, you're just an open thing. So you want to really trust the person that is guiding you. And there's a, there's a lot in, in the States, I've heard of a lot of abuse that can happen and uh, probably more sexual predatories kind of stuff. Like if you don't know this guide and you're just going to be in this wide open childlike state, trusting that they're going to take care of you. Anyway, that was a total side note, but I yeah. really like to stress safety anytime we can and highlight some of those things that somebody may not really think is such a big deal because they've never experienced that open state. But I felt like this little kid and everything was wonder and openness and joy yeah. for like a year. And in yeah. so I experienced that openness. And you're saying by adding in and incorporating this neurofeedback training, I might be using the wrong words, that's going to help me continue this growth and, and be able to like, part of this is like, how do I how do I continue that longer and keep this amazing, open, intuitive? Like, I just, I felt like that was it. Like that was just the mm -hmm. perfect time that year after was just like, I knew where I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do. Things were clicking. My brain felt, yeah, didn't feel yeah. foggy at all. It was just so clear to me. And so being able to not need to just go right back to medicine, but to be able to yeah. use these other tools, meditation and breath work, and now this neurofeedback. So for the lay person, you said there's some smaller devices or they could take home an at-home unit. How expensive is something like that? Or is it something you can rent or how does that work? So there's, so what I do, so generally speaking with retreats and I can do this, you don't have to go to retreat. I, I, I remote train people as well, but for a retreat, I get initial brain map or two brain maps per human post. And just to start with just a brain map, I can say like, Hey, this kind of meditation would be good for you or mm -hmm. this kind of diet would be good for you. This smaller recommendations. 
And then I kind of do different levels. So then the next thing I can see certain brain patterns. There might be a $200 neurofeedback device or a different kind of neurotherapy device I could recommend for that brain yeah. pattern. That's very and accessible. Then, yeah, exactly. So it's very accessible. And then at the highest level is like the full clinical training. Like you go, because we, what we do is we offer a home unit and it's usually a thousand dollars for that. We reimburse for five hundred dollars, and it's a monthly rate. And we would we charge less than they do a clinic, but it's a, it's a clinical, you know, like device. So it's like you're doing it every other day or three days a week. And this is when like I'm doing weekly Zoom calls, going your brain waves. I can see every part of your brain wave, how you're training, and it's really just kind of a one-on-one -on -one personalized training to to make whoever it is the best they can be. Because I like to say that. We can make any brain better, anyone. And uh, there's so many people, just not depression, anxiety, just peak performance. So like CEOs are using it, NFL, Olympics are using it. But all my passion is, the, well, every, so many parts of it are my passion. It's so powerful. Uh, I'm passionate about helping people suffering. I'm also passionate about helping people reach their peak potential. Yeah. There's so much to it. Yeah, I just was saying, I have struggled along and I didn't want to do ADD medications, but yeah. then it gets to a point where it's like, how much more could I be if I could, and I don't want to say fix, but if I could, could do the neurofeedback or whatever that is yeah. to help my brain at its peak performance, who wouldn't want a better brain, you know, yeah. right. To be able to be the, the best version of myself that I can. It's really frustrating when I go through weeks or months of just feeling scattered or brain fog or yeah. not having things in order. And sometimes yeah. like microdosing, I felt less AD, ADD yeah. and I felt like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a normal person. Like, why don't I do this all the time? Yeah. You know, or like, I would like to be like this all the time and not be not just more productive, but more myself your instincts are right. I would say it's more you. Yeah. I think so many people mistake their brain patterns for themselves. It's not you. I remember one person I did a brain map on and like, hey, looks like you might have procrastination or trouble focusing. He goes, oh, I just thought it was my personality. I'm like, no, this is a brain pattern you have. and You can train it if you want to like, it's not you. The so same thing with that. And I think when people see that, it's very cathartic because it takes the stress off themselves. Like, wait, this isn't me. This is a brain pattern. Yeah. And same thing with like depression, anxiety, I would say, I forget what the, the exact statistic is, but something like 40 to 60% of depression, anxiety is related, related to neurological, the neurological side of things. So if you can help that heal that and relieve suffering, it allows people to more themselves because we're not dealing with these constant stressors, whether it's focus, whether it's depression, anxiety, motivation, allows that person to be the best, the, the, their best selves, the best you. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And going back to ADD, because I talk about these things so much, but it has four different subtypes for brain patterns. So I just talked to a psychiatrist about this last month. He came down and I talked to him and go, if you're prescribing medication for a psychological issue, I, in my opinion, without seeing a brain map, in my opinion, it's like a, a, um, a heart doctor pres prescribed medication without taking blood pressure. Because we yeah. know exactly what every... Every medicine is going to do to the brain. I can see exactly what pattern it's going to do. And if, if you're just doing it through talking to the person, you might hit it, you might not. Because like I said, it's four different subtypes. Mm -hmm. And with a brain math, you can see exactly what medication would be effective. Now, my uh -huh. argument would be, 
I can do the same thing with brain training. So yeah. I can either force the brain that way with a powerful drug or I can train the brain in a healthy direction. So I think things like ADD, I think always consider a brain map or a brain training because it's been powerful in that for 30 years. They've used it with children, they use it with adults, you know, it's extremely powerful focus. And it's kind of like going like a, like a workout for your brain, like training to become the best it can be. So how expensive is a brain mapping? That seems like out of reach for a lot of normal people, like to get a, whatever you call it, the brain map. It's usually like $200 to $800, I would say, depending on where you're at. When the coast is a little more expensive, you know. For me, if they talk to me, I'm, I can do a discounted price. I can't do a brain map unless they're here, but I can help someone find them part of these different networks and neurofeedback. I can either help someone find someone to do it. Or if they're interested in the home training, I can actually train in a way that, that I don't need the brain map. Because what we do is we move electrodes from location to location. And after about like, see through, like, the different locations, what they're called, C3, C4, to go to the back, the front. I move the electrodes around after like five sessions, like I really get a feel for where the brain is. But mm -hmm. sometimes I think if you if you if you email me, I can help you find somebody that's probably less expensive, and it can be a very powerful tool because you can use it for the rest of your life. I wish I had a brain map before the Marine Corps, after the Marine Corps, before ayahuasca. You know these different kind of things that happen, and just the military. Oftentimes, there's head trauma and things in the military. So a brain map can be very useful. You know, God forbid, but legally speaking, say you're in a car accident. You can say, hey, this is what my brain looked like before. This is what it looked like you know, after this. So it can give you a good baseline, too. So it's a very powerful so, tool. Neuro back, neuro uh, training can help yeah. with a brain trauma? Yeah. No, I've been, I've, I've, I've worked with, like, specialized in the spiritual side of things, but I work with everyone here. I'm pretty much the only person... There's only a few people in Peru that do it. I'm the only person in the Sacred Valley where I'm at. And this one girl, she's like this hippie girl living down here, but she had some head trauma from, from, her, from her childhood. It was still there. And I worked with her brain patterns and it changed her life because it's a very obvious brain pattern and it's not too complex to train. And I'd say if someone has head trauma or think they have head trauma, always consider neurofeedback or some kind of neurotherapy because there's very powerful interventions for that now. And there's so many downstream effects of head trauma that people don't realize. But, you know, one of the classic ones is um, irregular sleep, which can affect everything, but mood, all kinds of things. So if you heal head trauma, it can heal so much. So many people come down and they don't, they've had a head trauma and they've never had anything even looked at. And some people don't even, so oftentimes in the field, it's famous. We ask people over and over again, like, have you had a head trauma? And like, no, no. But I remember the one person I asked, she goes, well, I was hit by a car once and I flew 20 feet and I got knocked out. I'm like, well, that, that counts as a head trauma. So a Probably a head trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I said, it's very powerful for that because it's, it's a pattern of inflammation which shows up as high delta waves. And we turn that down and we teach the brain how to become more efficient. And it's really making the brain more resilient which in turn makes the person more easy. It allows person to deal with more stress, more, you know, whatever life throws at you, that person can deal with these things better. But it also can deal with peak performance. You know, we've, I've seen presentations where this person will be middle of the pack in NASCAR and have this brain training all of a sudden be top three after three wow. months just because reaction time goes up and everything else. There's people that specialize in just in opera singers with neurofeedback, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh my goodness. I'm so 
fascinated by this. I've read several, you said change your life. And I've read that book, change your brain, change your life. And he talks yeah. about brain scans and some different books with on ADHD and the brain. And they yeah. inevitably do talk about, they've had the brain injuries and how that can, can affect your, like people can become more aggressive or just no emotions or, and I, I actually am going to interview or he, he said we would, whenever we can plan it, get an interview with a gentleman that had a brain trauma from a wakeboarding accident. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he couldn't work for years and had zero emotion and he ended up doing a psilocybin journey and microdosing and working with that. But so fascinating the things where we do just think it's like, well, this is just my personality. I'm forgetful or I get distracted easily when people are talking with me or I can't organize, you know, my life. (laughs) And I just like, feel like it's my character flaws and I, I love that there's hope to be able yeah. to actually scientifically train your brain. And it doesn't mean I have to be and not that medications are the worst thing in the world, you know, yeah. they help a lot of people. And I've heard some wonderful stories about how Adderall have helped people. But then also yeah. a few years later, I've, they've been like, yeah, actually <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of side effects and it's not working yeah. quite so well. And there's, there's, it's not just like a perfect thing. Right. So I love that there's hope here and I would love to dive deep and, and have you on anytime you're willing to come on. And I definitely want to talk to you more about resources for myself, for this brain training and brain mapping, because I want to just be able to do the things I feel like part of this podcast and my children and my purpose and passions in life. And when I'm so ADHD that that's inhibiting that, or when there's yeah. brain fog or like you said, loss of motivation, then I just feel I go into a depression because I feel like yeah. I'm worthless because I am not getting anything done and kind of take it on myself. I don't know if anyone else has experienced feelings like that where yeah that anyway leads to depression. So I would love to hear more about it, but is there, before we get to like how to find you in your retreat and stuff like that, is there just kind of some parting words or advice, or maybe if, if a couple hundred dollar neurofeedback kind of stuff is out of someone's price range, something that they can start with right now and some hope, I guess, for them advice. Well, I mean, some things, like you said, like breathing, that's free. You can learn how to do that. And I, I would recommend that to anybody. For me, that's as powerful as neurofeedback. I've done the breath work with some coaches. That's changed my life. Yeah. I did the Wim Hof method for a while. I was even walking down, walking around with my shirt off in the snow, like negative. Well, it was really, really cool. You know, but so breathing itself is so powerful. It's a key yeah. to your um, nervous system. There's even devices there out there that are 20 bucks for, for hand temperature. You know, they used to use this in the 60s, like biofeedback devices. You'd raise your hand temperature because people create cold stress, especially women. And that's why women get cold hands is because of stress. And oh. if you learn how to work the hand, it can really help out with headaches and maybe focus too. But like, like it was famous for migraines. So that's what you use mm-hmm. that for, but it helps de-stress. Oh, so, wow. um, so what does it do? It helps you... Tr- like train, I'm, I'm not quite clear on what that is. With yeah, the so, so before there was neurofeedback, there's biofeedback. And bio, neurofeedback is basically complex biofeedback. But 
So biofeedback is just a feedback mechanism. And so before what yogis take years to learn, like, uh, like controlling heart rate and things like this, there's different things we can do with biofeedback. So the one in the 60s was just hand temperature. You have a thermometer, basically just basically a thermometer in your hand. You can read how you know, to Google it, you know, hand warming biofeedback. But just learn how to warm your hand. You can just, all the, you know, after a while, you learn how to make your hands warm. From and your brain. Then, like you, you train yeah. your brain to warm your hands up. Right. And it just and it de-stresses the body. And they used it in the '60s for migraines, the famous one, but it relieves stress. And we know that so much is linked to stress. Probably 60 percent of illnesses are linked to stress. Another one is just hundred dollars, but it's heart math and mm-hmm. or any kind of HRV training, heart rate variability is very very powerful because then you realize. Then going to these more detail, I'm going to hold a book on just this one modality, but it realizes that your heart is key to your emotions. And that the health in that your your rhythm changes in your heart when you're you're not happy or you're thinking negative thoughts. But if you think positive thoughts, all of a sudden the heart pattern changes. And so it's a very, very insightful tool into our our nature. We're emotional beings. Primarily we're emotional beings, we're not logical beings. Mm-hmm. And to tap into that is is empowering to us, you know, to where we're at in life. I think I used something like that. It clipped onto my ear. And, um, I think my friend got it from like a Joe Dispenza yeah. training or something. And it, it would show you these circles and like where your heart, yeah. maybe heart rate variability. I don't know all the technical so terms, that was it. but it sounds like that. Yeah. So I would meditate and then like, I would think about, I, my mind would kind of wander and if it'd start worrying about <laughs> this kid or this thing or whatever, then I could see the change on the screen not being in the optimal levels. And then once I got to like a really great meditative, clear state, it would start to go into the optimal level. So I do, I have experienced that before. It was very neat to have that feedback as I was thinking or meditating. No, I think heart rate variability, the one you experienced, you described, it can be good for anybody because it really links. And you really realize that our emotional body or physical body are connected and Sometimes when people like can't afford a whole, you know, home device for neurofeedback, like, hey, just get a heart rate availability. If you pour it down the road, let me know. I always want to talk to people about pricing too and help them out where they're at. But heart rate variability that can help anybody out. It's, it's such a powerful, powerful um like I said, it's it, it leverages the emotional self and the physical self. And you see how these things are related. They're not different. And I think it's it gives you spiritual insight in the end. Hmm. How, how so, but like with the spiritual insight? Well, I, th- I think we realize that so much of the Western mind, we, we separate the body from the mind. I think Descartes was the first one to really do that, but this has become just so in the national or something, the national, our, our mind, the Western mind, that we don't even think about it, mm-hmm. the mind, the body, and then the soul is almost completely ignored, but that's part of the whole part of it too that the physical and the spiritual aren't separated together because the emotional and the physical are so linked. And I think this is, we've seen this with trauma that people, and a great book about trauma is the, the body keeps the score. And it's just mm. a home run and how trauma stays in the body. So when we want to reach these spiritual states, well, first we've got to release this trauma. And once the trauma is released, and this is what I do with neurofeedback, then I can start working on these spiritual states. 
Um, but first we work on that trauma. So it's, it's, a, it's a process. So it's a beautiful process. It's, it's truly like Jungian individuation. And this is what we do with, with our colleagues, um, technological yoga or spiritual neuroscience. Right? I mean, the beauty of it is the soul. It's not, it's not the technology. Technology is beautiful in some way, but the soul unfolding, that's, that's the true beauty of it. I love it. So good. Such, yeah, beauty. And I love how you bring it all bring it all together. Just such truth in your words. Okay. Do you, would you, man, are you, do you have, before I wrap it up a couple more minutes or do you need to get off? Okay. I, I wanted you to just touch on, I've, I've been fascinated as I go to different energy workers or clairvoyance or people like that. It's so fascinating to me. And my only gauge really, like, I don't know the science of that. I don't know the reality of that. My only gauge yeah. is, do I feel better afterwards? Yeah. What, you know, that kind of thing, which I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I believe in yeah. whatever this person is doing, but I feel amazing. Right. You're right. Yeah. Like I've, I've had experiences where I'm like, that was like a psychedelic journey. I feel incredible. Oh, yeah. I feel open. I feel, I don't even know what chakras are, but they feel good <laughs> kind of thing. And so how have you seen anything with that and brain mapping? No, that's interesting. Cause I think about this a lot because I love the psychedelic space. I love my medicines, but I've also known some amazing energy workers. And one of the first times it became really clear was after one of my first ayahuasca retreats, I think it was my third one, and I was in the Sacred Valley of Peru, and this woman, she was at the same retreat, and she was um, a Reiki healer, and she lived in California, but she was down for the ayahuasca retreat, and she had Reiki on me the next day after the ayahuasca, and the same thing, how I leveraged neurofeedback with ayahuasca, she was leveraging Reiki with ayahuasca, and I was totally open energetically, and I've done Reiki before, but nothing like that. It feels like she just opened me up and I just felt like I was blowing. People look like you look like you're blowing, you know, and it really became apparent like, yeah, this isn't just a drug. I mean, we have an energy body and I feel it. I feel that I, I felt it. But then going back to the neuroscience of it, I've also thought about this too. And I've looked into this or just, yeah, what I do. So one of the famous people in the field named Elmer Green, he invented the protocol Alpha Theta. And this is the protocol that's my favorite. It takes us takes people down to these deep hypnagogic states or soul states. I think I like Jung's description because Jung, through his whole life, he called it unconscious. But toward the end of his life, he goes, I was speaking to the Western mind. I was talking about unconscious. I was speaking about the soul. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember, like, these things meld and merge in certain ways. So when you're doing this unconscious work, you're also doing soul work. And these things aren't so discreet. So Elmer Green, who's famous in the field for the pioneers in neurofeedback, in the 90s, he started looking at energy work, and he opened his own scientific journal on just energy medicine. I can't remember the name offhand, but if you Googled Elmer Green Energy Medicine Journal, it would come up. Mm-hmm. And so I was just going through it. I haven't gone through I just went through the first year of the journal so far. I won't go through more of it. But I'm just fascinated by what they're discovering, what they're doing, because a lot of these people in, the, in this journal are from the neurofeedback side of things. So what I do, they do QEG brain mapping. So I noticed that there was a couple studies where they put a QEG brain cap on an EEG on somebody and have energy heal them from a distance from like next room to 200 miles away. So wow. I think there's five different energy healers and like over a hundred different participants. And they noticed and then they had each energy healer concentrate on the brain as they're healing it. So they noticed that all these different people experienced different levels of Delta increase in their brain. 
So we, we could physically measure the healing happening in the delta waves. And I'm not sure, I think the article was just observing that. I'm still not sure what the delta waves imply, but there's a physical effect from the, from the healing. And I wanna recreate that study here as well. Another thing we can do with neurofeedback, there's very, very few people in the world that even do this stuff or know about this stuff. And I try to find him and learn from him. I think Joe Dispenza is one, but you know, I know there's a person in California who Joe Dispenza has all their equipment. I know that person. So I emailed them. I did a training with them. And there was an energy healer where I live, a small village. And so we take a in brain Peru? map. Where, where was that? In Peru? So I live in the Sacred Valley of Peru, right outside Cusco, but the village is called Arene. It's only like 500 people. So unless you live here, you probably know it, but it's a really cool place if you come. So she's an energy healer. We did a brain map on her. I knew she's talented because she's done energy work on me. And so we go through her brain map and the idea was- So you put electrodes on her head. Yeah. In what type of a state? Is she just like- This was just a normal state, not her healing, but we want to do this in the future too, but it's just a normal state. So we want to find, so this person specializes in like spiritual gifts with the brain. And she's a fascinating person. She also specializes in astrology and the brain. But she doesn't talk to anyone about that. Plus she didn't mention your name because she's really high in the field, like a top neuroscientist basically. But she's doing astrology charts with brainwave patterns. It's fascinating. Cool. So anyway, we look at this person's, this woman, this energy healer's brainwave pattern. And we're reading the raw. So we're not reading the QEG. We're just reading raw brain waves. So this is like reading like Sanskrit or foreign language. So our brain waves, our energy patterns, it's beautiful. We're reading the energy of that person, their nervous system, like who they are. And we're going through their brain waves. Like this, this is a side I'm still learning, but you know, I have some beautiful, amazing mentors. And we find these gamma waves. Gamma waves are a really fast brain wave that rides on top of slower waves. Gamma waves right, are very special. Happened. What way? Slower brain waves like delta, okay. theta, alpha. And I think okay. um, Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot. And um, so we find these gamma waves, and I think we find what part of the brain we're in, and go, that's her gift. That's her specialty. That's where energy healing is from, is these brain waves. And so the idea is with neuro, we could train those brain waves, basically mm-hmm. train her gift. And the idea is to make her a better energy healer, to be more in touch with that spiritual side of herself. Sounds like X-Men kind of thing here. You know, we got, we got yeah. hooked up to some electrodes. We're training her gifts and then she can heal people from a distance and she can, you know, increase her clairvoyant. But I mean, I, it sounds, yeah. it sounds like a movie, but it's yeah. science when you're actually seeing the brain waves and the, I, was it Joe Dispenza that said the gamma waves is where they would be people people they would see in people right before like a spontaneous spiritual experience or spontaneous healing or something like that and the science scientists are like whoa they're going to be going into a seizure and there they are like laying there all calm or something (laughs) yeah no so gamma has it's interesting too the brain waves because gamma is associated seizures it's also show you with these peak states aha moments spiritual states so and then for us the field would be very mindful of how we look at gamma so 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 sustained gamma is associated with seizures right bursts of gamma is associated with those aha moments and that spiritual Mm. moments but it's interesting too how i find it because like many ancient people thought like people with no schizophrenia were kind of somehow in the spiritual realm and maybe there's something related because they both are showing gamma you know 
Yeah, I think there's a very fine line between crazy and spiritually enlightened. Right. right I agree. <laughs> like, like they they're kind of like, okay, is that dude, you know, sitting out there meditating or walking with no shoes on in the dirt or whatever? Like you look at some of these spiritually enlightened people and they could be yeah. that same person that looks a little crazy to us, right? <laughs> no, I agree. I I wish I remember the quote, but I wish I remember said it. I don't even remember the exact quote, but somehow the spiritual person is walking in the realm and keeping their composure, right? Whereas the schizophrenic maybe is overwhelmed with mm. that realm. I think Jung would notice this too. Like either they weren't ready for it. Kind of like a, a spontaneous Kundalini experience. Like it usually takes years of training to do that. All of a sudden, if you're just in that realm, your nervous system, your mind, your body is not ready for it yet. So there may be something to that. I don't know. Yeah. I heard an interview with a guy and he, he now is like a specialist and gives talks and speaks and talk, you know, he's very like spiritual and well-revered, but he went through a phase where when these gifts opened up, he was actually in a mental hospital and he had to lie about what was going on and figure out how to manage that balance between these gifts that were opening up and the real world. And yeah. so he had to figure out how to kind of like pretend, okay, no, I'm in the real world. I'm not seeing this stuff. Yeah. And then he got out of the insane asylum place. I don't know what they call them nowadays. What yeah. do they call them? But you know, mental hospital. Yeah. And yeah. now he's just like the spiritual teacher and leader. So it's so fa- that's fascinating to me too. <laughs> yeah. There's these border realms, even with plant medicines and ayahuasca, people can get there's so much we can talk about with just that, but people can get kind of lost in it because mm-hmm. you're in these different realms. You're kind of, you get to really get to ground yourself. And mm-hmm. for me, the neurofeedback really grounds me from ayahuasca, but I also think things like Reiki energy work because it opens your crown chakra so much and we're not used to navigating that space, especially the Western mind. It's so foreign, you know, yeah. other cultures have that. So, the, you know, just to ground yourself when you're having those states and actually that same person, the energy healer, the reason she was so excited to train with me because she had a spontaneous Kundalini experience and she almost, you know, what you would call it, lose her mental health or go crazy, whatever you want to say. But yeah. she went to a neurofeedback practitioner in California and it grounded her and allowed her to like navigate again. So something to keep in are mind they, on that. I suppose. Yeah. Are they using neurofeedback to help people with schizophrenia or things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Because when the brain is more stable, it becomes better. I would argue a lot of these things, some things are multi-pronged approach. I've worked with Alzheimer's, for example, mm-hmm. which I've had powerful success with. Not everyone works with it because of the constant degrading process, but it could be very powerful. But I always wanted to work with diet as well, because I think lots of the modern diet contribute to these things. Mm, yeah. That goes back to my fascination. Like where's the balance, but the more we can do on all areas of the physical, the spiritual subconscious and the mental why not why not hit it from all ways everything we can okay well i would just keep you forever and keep asking questions (laughs) and diving deep but maybe i'll write down all the rest of my questions that this conversation (laughs) brought up (laughs) save them for next time but i'd like to hear a little bit about your retreat that's coming up and then how people can contact you if they want to work with you and we'll get it all in the show notes too but Okay. Yeah. My website's neuroenlightenment.com. That's the best way to contact me. My 
email is neuroenlightenment at gmail.com. But we're running a retreat. I think we're unique in the world in this because I haven't heard anyone else do this, but um, combining neurofeedback, brain mapping, and ayahuasca. And one of my other passions we're getting into is jujitsu, martial arts. So we're throwing that in as well. But if you're not into jujitsu, we have yoga and acupuncture and stuff like that. But, and it's going to be in the Sacred Valley in Peru. It's going to be eight days. And we're throwing a lot into our retreat that other retreats don't do. So we take people on a tour to Asengate. It's a beautiful mountain in Peru. And really, yeah, there's these beautiful places and beautiful, like we're doing, we're throwing as much in as we can. So people get really value out of the experience. Well, I've heard you talk about that novelty experience, even without the ayahuasca, going to Peru, seeing these different places, being in this novelty experience. And then of course the novelty experience of the ayahuasca too, but how transformational all of that is also. No, I, I, so what I've learned, I try to incorporate. So remember I first came down in the jungle four days i was there for four days before doing ayahuasca i'm like wow this is amazing this is life-changing and this beautiful girl i think she was french she was the facilitator and she goes she smiles goes yeah wait till you try the ayahuasca you know and i think these things like we we have these experiences this novelty and then you add in these powerful spiritual plants this is very much a spiritual experience to me and i just want to emphasize that again as much as i bring the technology in like we're creating spiritual experiences for people or that's that's our goal to for them to get the most out of it and i think the the neurofeedback and the plant medicines we do ayahuasca we're doing wachuma all these things add together and we we create a certain story arc with all these and that's why i've learned about the beauty of these retreats is a good retreat creates a story arc of the different plants and that's what we're creating so I, i'm really excited about it. it's really beautiful and then if anyone wants to do home training too, if they can't make it down to Peru, I can always do remote neurofeedback training. And if they just want to do that, it's very powerful in itself. And we have home training units that we can send anybody and they can do training. Sometimes people will do it before they come to retreat. Sometimes people will do it as an integration tool, or sometimes people just do it on its own. So that's always an option. I'm very passionate about that as well. Awesome. Yeah. And when you do the Zoom calls, is that something that necessarily needs to, I, I'm always thinking of like how to help the most people and make it affordable. Yeah. And yeah. is that something that you really need to just do one-on-one Zoom calls, or maybe you could do like a one-on-one and then do some group calls or something like that? Yeah. So it depends on the person. I always say I could do like you know, one call a week, but once they're going, maybe they're in their own process. They don't need to do like the weekly Zoom call. But I just want to make sure I'm accessible because a lot of times they're they might be processing or they some people are really interested. Like, hey, what do my brainwaves look like? What's going on? Because I show them from my end, you know, what their brainwaves are doing. Inevitably, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Inevitably, there's like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm fine. I don't need anything. Yeah. And then like something, there's some bump, some life experience, something that happens where you're like, ah. Ah, wait, yeah. I need help. You know, I need someone to help me process this or integrate this. So that's something I'm really big on is this integration and having a coach and someone who can walk you through that's further down on the path than you are, you know, not that all of, you know, someone's arrived, but they just need to be able to, able to work with you and help you get you through those times that you can't see your brain or you can't navigate how to get through it i guess on your own so i'm so grateful that you do that i think it's a great way to put it because you know some people come through retreats and some you know like they think i have it all together that i'm aligned like no i'm 
you know, I have some experiences. I give you my insights, but I'm still working on myself and doing my own thing. If anything, it was more challenging because I'm reflecting my own thought patterns even more. And I always put that mirror to myself and looking at myself. But at the same time, I wish I knew someone like me 10 years ago when I first started to kind of give me some points and tips and like, you know, where, where I think that, you know, where there's little traps or the like you said before, finding good shamans is very important and people you can trust because you're trusting someone's energetic space. So if anyone's had questions on that, you know, how I've gone through this, because I've seen both the good, the bad, the light, the dark, I've seen it all. So there's a lot out there. It's a careful, it's a tough space to navigate if you're new to it. Awesome. Okay. I'm, I'm really going to let you go here soon, but if anyone out there wants to go visit Luke with me, I, that sounds amazing. We'll have to put together a special, like little life-changing trips group to come and visit you. It sounds transformational, life-changing. It sounds life-changing. So I really hope I get to come visit you live in person that I love the, because some people like have this experience and they're like, Oh, that was the medicine. And they kind of turn it off. But I love yeah. that integration and them actually being able to see in this modern world, the scientific proof yeah. or evidence or reasons for continuing down that path. So I'm on board. I'm game. We'll get <laughs> your links, your links out here so people can find you. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share this information and share your journey with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for subscribing and leaving a review. Come join our amazing free community, Life-Changing Trips. There's a link in the description. All content is for informational, entertainment, educational, and harm reduction purposes only. Life-Changing Trips and Harmony Williams and their affiliates and guests are not doctors or mental health professionals or legal advisors. Any information shared is not meant to treat, diagnose, or claim cures for any physical conditions or mental illness. Psychedelics and sacred plant medicines are not for everyone, even when done legally. There are serious contraindications with various health conditions and pharmaceutical medications. Please do your own research and take action to be informed. Remember that you are 100% responsible for your actions and subsequent consequences. The views of the guests are not the views and opinions of life-changing trips.